0: we delay our study here in the book of galatians for maybe one more week until we return to that. But I thought it would be good in light of our social afterwards <clears throat> to kind of bring to ourselves something that I think would be helpful for us and I know has been helpful for myself. We live in times of trouble. <coughs> Probably, I'm not sure I'd be accurate in saying this, but in my years of ministry, which now is closing in on four decades, I'm probably not seen God's people more troubled than I have today. Not necessarily you or I or maybe our church, but definitely the rumblings that I hear out there preaching that I hear preached, the warnings that I hear warned, and probably all those warnings are valid and helpful and may even be foretelling, but I know what we need in the midst of these things, and what we need is God's gift of peace. Peace is really a very, very valuable thing. Is so valuable that I don't think that I could put a price tag on it. I have been at so full of care and anxiety and fretfulness that it has stolen my sleep from me for many days and weeks on end. You probably have known the same. Things grip our minds and our hearts. And this is exactly what is happening here to the apostolic company in John chapter 14. I want to read one passage, and that is in John 14 and verse 27. This is our Lord speaking. He says to us, Peace I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful. I suppose if you and I were in the position of the apostles here that you and I would be in the same state that they were. They were <clears throat> exceedingly troubled. That trouble began in the upper room when Jesus washed their feet, and that troubled Peter enough to say, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. And our Lord says to him, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you will afterwards, which means that he really didn't understand what was going on. And when we don't understand what's going on, it begins to build within our hearts care and anxiety Because we don't know. Peter is certainly in that state. That state was probably increased, if you look in John 13, verse 21, when as they were watching our Lord Himself, when Jesus had told them that there was a betrayer among them, when Jesus had said this, He became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. You can imagine the situation. It's late at night. The full day has passed. And here, they don't understand what's happening there as Jesus washed their feet and gave that example of sacrificial love. They don't understand as they watch Him, like little children watch their parents, and they can be fine until they see Mom and Dad get anxious, and then they get anxious. They're looking at the Savior, and they definitely can tell that Jesus is distressed, and he's distressed at this point anyway, because there was a betrayer within their midst. that understanding that they were going that Jesus was going to be betrayed. <clears throat> really brought even more distress to the apostolic company. Because that apostolic company had been told, look at verse 33 of chapter 13, little children, I am with you a little while longer, and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you where I am going you cannot what? He's telling this group of learner followers that he's leaving. Can you imagine giving your whole life to a man, walking with him for up to three years, experiencing the persecution that he experienced? knowing the antagonism that the Pharisees had against him, seeing him being troubled in spirit, and then him saying to them, I'm leaving you. And I'm leaving you, and you can't go where I'm going. Meaning even if they wanted to follow, they what? They couldn't. You can think about how their hearts were going because in verse 36 of chapter 13, Peter just asked the obvious question. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered Peter and said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter, in his... Boldness and flowing out of a lack of understanding just says, Lord, I want to follow you right now. And Peter must have got a kind of sense of foreboding here, knowing that Jesus had said, There's a betrayer among them. Lord, I'll even die for you. And of course, we know Jesus said, Will you really, Peter? Will you really die for me? And of course, Peter would die for Him, but many, many years later, here at this particular event, the cock would not crow three times before before Peter denied Him. What's going on in the heart of the disciples, chapter 14 and verse 1, is that their heart was shaken with what they were hearing. Has your heart ever been shook by what you hear? If it hasn't, <clears throat> count yourself blessed. It will come one day. These disciples are really troubled about this. <clears throat> They're there in the upper room in Jerusalem. And they are so shook that Thomas will even ask the Lord, we don't know where you're going. But you told Peter, we can follow you afterwards. But Lord, where are you going so we can what? Mm -hmm. Follow you afterwards. We don't know the way, verse 5 of chapter 14. And of course, Jesus gives that amazing truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Then He tells them where He's going. No one comes to the Father but through Me. They really didn't understand, did they? They would come to understand. But at this point, they really are without understanding. They're confused. They're full of care. They're full of unknown. They're in darkness. They weren't anticipating this. This wasn't on their time table, their scheduler. They are in pain. Matthew Henry said concerning this passage in which we read in John 14, verse 27, when it says, Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Matthew Henry says this, and I'm quoting from him. He said, When Christ left the world, he made his will, his soul he bequeathed to his Father. His body to Joseph. His clothes He gave to the soldiers. His mother He left to the care of John. What would He leave to His poor disciples who had left everything for Him? Silver? Gold? Jesus had none. But what he left them was far better. He left them his peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Would you rather have silver or gold or peace? A mature believer would readily say peace. Christ was going to leave them His peace. The word leave in the verb tense of that word lets us know that when He said, peace I leave with you, He meant right at that moment. My peace I leave with you. And the word leave refers to being left behind. The disciples themselves were concerned because they had in their mind that if He left them, they would be like orphans. And that would be true, wouldn't it? But Jesus was not going to leave them as orphans. What He was going to leave with them was the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice the connection here if you look at John chapter 14 and verse 25. <clears throat> Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then he says what? Peace I leave with you. The peace of God. This is not the peace with God that Jesus is leaving with them. They already had the peace with God. They justified believers. But they needed the peace of God, did they not? But the peace of God and the Holy Spirit of God are connected. He was going to leave behind him peace. He was going to leave behind him the Holy Spirit of God. Now folks, we as believing people, the moment we're justified, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. He is the down payment, the taste of future glory. He is the one who works and operates within our souls. He is the one that both groans And strengthens. He's the one that directs our hearts to prayer and directs our heart to contentment. All of this comes to us by the presence of the peace of God. He's going to leave behind Himself, He's leaving, He's going to leave behind His peace. Now you'll notice also in verse 27 he speaks of the type of peace that he's going to leave with them. Peace I leave with you. <clears throat> Whose peace? Mm-hmm. My peace I, leave, I give to you. I think what he's referring to here is the quality of his peace. Jesus Himself was going to experience the cruelest of cruel. The injustice of injustice. He was going to experience suffering, physical, beyond what any of us could ever think about going through. And He was going to suffer further than that. He was going to be our substitute And the wrath of God, our wrath, was going to be laid on him. It's hard to imagine that. And he said, Peace, my peace I give to you. Folks, there is a peace that the world can give. Notice the text. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Everybody see that? There is a peace that the world can give. That peace is dependent on the world trying to make our circumstances better. Everybody following me with this? When the world thinks peace, what they're thinking about is better circumstances in our life. It could be you need more wealth, and that would give you peace. It could be that you would get a house, and that would give you peace. It could be that you could figure out how to have a family, and you think that's going to give you peace. It could be a multitude of things, but when you're talking about a peace that the world sees as peace, it is dependent on our circumstances, and in many cases, on our money. There is a peace associated with money. Now, there is an anxiety associated with money, but there is a peace associated with money. If you look at the fact that, just look at today. Gas prices going up, yes or no? Yes. Inflation going up, yes or no? Well, if I'm making $3 million a year, that really doesn't affect me much. You agree with that? In other words, that can become my peace, my security. Whereas those who don't have, this is is very anxious for them. That's the type of peace the world gives. When the world thinks about peace, it isn't talking about biblical peace. It's more talking about a truce. When you talk about two nations that are at war with each other, when the world goes in to negotiate to make peace, They're not talking about those two nations actually having an inner peace and a contentment both of what they have and who they are and with the nation that they were warring against. That's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is an absence of external conflict. You still have the inner conflict, that's fine, as long as you don't express it with guns and tanks but that's not the type of peace that our Lord is talking about. He's talking about a peace that passes human understanding. He's talking about a peace that only He can give. The peace that we can have is a peace that was His peace And it is a gift from Him to us. That's the type of peace that the Lord wants us to possess. There's a religious type of peace spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah speaks of this. Peace, peace, the false prophets say, but there is no what? There is no peace. There's a type of preaching from false prophets and false teachers who communicate to those that are before them a certain type of worldly peace that is no peace at all. But it does give them a type of medicine that is temporary. And it is numbing. And, folks, it keeps them from the genuine peace of God. Jesus is leaving this behind with those disciples. And he is gifting it to them. I am giving this to you. This isn't something we earn, this isn't something that we get through our works. This is a peace that comes to us from the risen Christ that He has left behind for His people and the quality of that peace is it's His own peace. Now folks, what that means is this. That we can have peace and our circumstances get better. Amen? That's what we want. But it also means like Him, that you can have peace even in the midst of trouble. Even in the midst of a death sentence. Even in the midst of injustice. That's His quality of peace. And would you say that's valuable? Because He says, in the world you will have trouble. We need His peace. And it is a peace that He is leaving behind Him. And it is a peace that is a gift to us. So therefore, now look at verse 27. Therefore He says, Do not let your heart be what? Don't let it be fearful. Now folks, that can be a real battle. It's interesting that one of the things we battle for as a believer is that we battle for peace. But in this verse, what he is saying to us is this I'm leaving behind my peace. It is a gift to you. So, don't allow your heart to be troubled. Did you hear that? Don't allow your heart to be troubled. Why? My peace I give to you. Everybody see that? In other words, our Lord has given to us this great gift of the peace of God. Christ purchased it. He left it behind. He communicates it to us. Because he knows that in this life we're going to have trouble. He knows that in this life things are going to make us be fearful, apprehensive. But he gives us these things, his peace, so therefore we don't have to let our heart be troubled. Do you hear that? You don't have to let your heart be troubled. Or be fearful. Now the question is, how do you appropriate this? Did He leave it? Is it His? Wouldn't you love to have His peace? Okay, how do you appropriate Well, folks, we know that it's not by works, but it has to be through the channel of faith. But at the end of this, right before he gives his high priestly prayer, he actually tells us how this peace comes to us. And in John chapter 16, at the end of that chapter. the disciples finally think that they have come to an understanding. And in verse 29, His disciple says to Him, Behold, now you're speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things. And have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me what? Isn't that troubling? Nobody likes to be alone, do they? Yet I am not alone. Because the Father is what? All right, now here we come to how we appropriate his peace. Are you listening? He's talking about his peace right now. These things I have spoken to you so that. In me you may have what? Everybody see that? In the world you're going to have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Folks, Jesus left us His peace. And He has gifted to us His peace. How does that peace come to us? By the things He has spoken to us. Everybody see that? These things I have spoken to you. So that, for this purpose, in me you may have what? Peace, these things I have spoken to you. And folks, that's where His peace and the Holy Spirit, where that connection is made. Folks, one of the prime purposes of the Holy Spirit is to strengthen us By his illuminating to us what Christ has said. If you go back to John 14, to our text, verse 27, and you read the passage right before that when he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will. Can we say that? Teach you all things. Everybody see that? Verse verse 26, John 14. Here's the Holy Spirit. The Father's going to send Him in My name. What's He going to do? Teach you. Everybody see that? He's going to teach you. What else is He going to do? Bring to your remembrance whatever I have said to you. Now folks, we don't have the operation of the Holy Spirit like the apostles did. But we do have what the apostles have said inscripturated in our translations. And one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit is to bring those passages to our minds and to give us understanding of what those verses mean. Why? Why? He has spoken these things to you, so that in me you can have what? Peace. His peace comes to us through the knowledge of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Folks, there's a great thing. And that's exactly, by the way, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in that upper room. They don't really understand, but what is He doing? He's teaching them. He's telling them what's going to happen. He's telling them why he has to go away. He's telling them that he's going to come back. He's telling them that I'm going to be cruelly murdered, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. He's telling them, it's good for you that I go away. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to sit at his right hand, and I'm going to pray to the Father that he would send the third member of the Godhead to you. And he did that. On the day of Pentecost. And upon every believer the moment they get saved. He's teaching them these things. And even though they didn't understand it right then, they would come to understand. And folks, when they come to understand it, the result of that would not just be merely I can win at Bible trivia or that I know more Scripture than someone else. It's so that we can have peace. Those words, illuminated by the Holy Spirit of God, flood our soul. And one of the things it does is it strengthens us and it gives us a contentment that is beyond understanding. It's not perfect. It's not in its fullness until the day that we see Him. But it is there and it is a taste. A taste that makes you want more. Now the Apostle Paul also mentioned this. If we turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we'll stop here. In Philippians chapter 4, you're very familiar with these passages. Paul is in prison, isn't he? If you were in prison, would you be distressed? If you were in prison unjustly, would you be more distressed? He was dependent upon people bringing him food. He was dependent upon the churches actually caring for him while he was in that prison cell. It wasn't like today. If there ever was a time to have care, it would have been then. But Paul tells this anxious church, Philippians chapter 4, verse verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody see that? Folks, Jesus left us His peace. He has gifted to us His peace. Does He want to give it? He does. And our sin nature doesn't want you to have it. What do we do? In everything. Now I think there's a he's limiting that. What he's saying is this. He's not saying everything pray. He's saying the everything of which you are anxious about. Pray. And it may be a little bit more in, than prayer. It may be supplication. Supplication is a much, much stronger word than just general praying. Supplicating can involve tears. It can involve crying. It can involve crying out. But if we do that, with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now I'm just going to tell you here, this is where my struggle is, because I don't have too much of an issue crying out to God about the things that really are disturbing me. But what I forget is to cry out to God with thanksgiving. Our distresses rob us of gratitude. And what that will do is something that you and I need Verse 7 We need the peace of God to guard our heart. Guard it from what? Undue care. Unscriptural anxiety. And, folks, where's the battleground of the heart? It's your mind. You think about it. You focus on it. And when you and I do that, I do it, you do it. You feed it. Folks, we need this peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And remember, how does this happen? How's God going to answer that prayer? through the things that He has spoken to you. The Scripture. You've got to pray with an open Bible. Now I don't mean that you have to physically have an open Bible there. You have to have an open Bible in your mind. And you may have to be directed to passages that you've never considered... And the Holy Spirit may have to give you illumination about those passages because what's disturbing you is the fact you really don't know God as clear as you need to. And this is really amazing because He tells us the things that should be going on in our mind. Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever thing is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there be any excellent, if anything worthy of praise, that's the thing we ought to be what? Thinking about. But we want to think about the grievance. We want to think about the injustice. We want to think about ourselves. And I've always found verse 9 a real enigma to me. I could never say this to you, even though I hope that would be some small measure of illustration and example, but Paul himself says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in Me, if you practice those things, what will be with you? The God of peace or the peace of God will be with you. Isn't that amazing? And then he gives an example. When he goes in in verse 10 and says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Now, I'm not speaking from want. For I have learned to be content. Isn't that word Peaceful. Content in whatever circumstances I am. Now, folks, this means that as a believer, this is something you and I are going to have to be educated on. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. And here's what Paul says. I know how to get along with humble means. You know, a person that has humble means is anxious that they don't have enough. Right? I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. Folks, if the one in humble means is anxious that they don't have enough, what is the wealthy person anxious about? Mm -hmm. That they lose it. right in any and every circumstance i've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry of having abundance and suffering need i can do all things this isn't talking about running a marathon This is talking about being content, having the peace of God in whatever circumstances, just like Christ did, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I have learned that I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Everybody see that? Now folks, what that means as I conclude is this. We should not expect a life with no trouble. We should not expect a life with no troubled heart. We should not expect a life with no distress. We should not expect a life with no things that make us fearful. We shouldn't expect a life that is completely and always stable. But what we can expect as a believer is that in the midst of those things, through the words that He has spoken to us in the pages of our Bible, by the Holy Spirit illuminating those words to us, you and I can grow and walk in His peace. His peace will stabilize you In your trouble, his peace will strengthen you in your fear. His peace will promote gratitude instead of care. His peace, his peace will guard your heart and mind. What a gift. What a gift. Let's pray.